You're listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. You a message that not only did I get to practice this morning, uh, but one that I think will be applicable to not just seniors, but to uh, each and every one of us. Um, you know, this time has been, this whole, these last few months have been a little, what's the word, trying um, to put it, I guess to put it in a, in a word. Um, there's been a lot of just things going on, a lot of cancellations, postponing and things like that. And then even just this virus itself and hearing the things that it can or can't do or how it's spread uh, produces a lot of fear. Um, and I know I am no stranger to that. But apart from the current season that we're in, I think we all are afraid of something. I know for our seniors, some of their fears may include waking up at 8 a.m. or going to a new town, starting a new school, uh, meeting new people, maybe starting a new job. I know for me personally, uh, one of my fears is stumbling over my words, but that doesn't keep me from preaching. Um, but some of my other fears include spiders, and I was going to get pictures to try and prove that I'm not afraid of these things, but I typed in SPI in Google, it said spider, and then gave me like a million other results, and I'm like, no, nah, never mind, never mind, I'll just, I won't put them on there. But I'm afraid of spiders, and that's actually where I got to practice this passage from 2 Timothy 1.7 this morning, because I went into the bathroom, there was a spider just sitting there staring right at me, and I'm like, oh look, the Lord has gifted me a spider. Thank you, God. You are very funny. Um, but some of my other fears include jalapenos. They're just kind of intimidating. And I can't handle spice very well, so I know that if I eat one, I'll either be okay or I will be crying in two minutes flat. The other fears that I have include uh, just whenever you're watching a video online and it starts giving you the buffering symbol, because that means a variety of things, but it always scares me. But the thing is that we all wrestle with fear to some degree. And similar to Russ's sermon last week of Do Not Grow Weary, this week's sermon is going to be Do Not Fear. And we're going to be in 2 Timothy 1.7 this morning. And I came ready to share 20 different applications out of this one verse, but I've got a time limit. And so I will do my best to stay within that. So I brought three applications to share with you. So let me go ahead and read the text. We'll pray, and then we'll get into the sermon. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Some translations will say self-control. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll dive right in. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity to share your word. God, I pray that in this time you would just speak through me, that it wouldn't be any of me, it would just be you. And God, I pray that our hearts and minds would be open to the study and receiving of your word. And God, I pray that we would be encouraged uh, by your word and that you have given us a spirit that allows us to overcome things through your power. We are able to love people. Uh, even in our hurt through your, through your power, and we're able to have self-control or self-discipline uh, through your spirit. God, I pray that you would just bless this time. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. 
So now with this, here's the thing with fear. In order for us to properly understand how to attack fear or defend ourselves against fear, we have to first understand what fear even is and how it operates. Much like in any sport, whether it's basketball, boxing, soccer, whatever it may be, in order to defeat your opponent, you have to study them. You have to find out what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are. And then from there, you can make a plan of attack, a plan of defense, and move forward. And so today, this morning, what I want to do is share with you three different ways that we encounter fear and three different ways that we can counter fear with God's Spirit. So three different ways that we encounter fear and three ways that we can counter that fear. So this first place that we're going to visit, the first place that we're going to encounter fear is going to be one that we've all probably experienced to some degree. And if you're a grandparent that has been stuck listening to Frozen 2 with your grandkids during this quarantine, I'm sorry that the song Into the Unknown is probably playing in your head right now. But now it's in my head, and it's been in my head all this week since I've been preparing this lesson, so I'm right there with you. But the first place that we encounter fear is in the unknown. In the unknown. This is usually when we are forced out of our habits. We're forced into areas where God has led us that we just don't know what's going to happen. And I think for a lot of us during this season of quarantine and changes in our schedule, we've encountered a lot of unknowns. And we don't, and some of us are still trying to grasp that. And I think what makes that so difficult for us is that we're all creatures of habit. And you know how I know this? Because when we go to our favorite restaurants, we tend to pick the one menu item that we know they can't mess up, and we know it's always good, right? Camilla will tell you that I'm a creature of habit, okay? Y'all know that I love Chick-fil-A. If you don't, I know you're not watching our Sunday school lessons because I talk about it all the time. But no, I love Chick-fil-A. And the thing is about Chick-fil-A, when I go there, I know what I'm always going to get before I, but like three days before we even go there. I know I'm going to go there, get the number one with the medium fry and the large Dr. Pepper. If you don't know what the number one is, it's the original chicken sandwich with pickles on it. Some of you may get it without pickles. That's okay. I get it. Um, some of you may get it with extra pickles. I get it. But the thing is, is that I always know that if I go to Chick-fil-A and get the number one combo with a large Dr. Pepper, I'm safe. But let's be honest, there's nothing bad on Chick-fil-A's menu, so you can really get anything and you'll be all right. Or so I thought. I remember there was one time in, in particular where I was working in an accounting department for a cellular company, and they opened up a Chick-fil-A right next to our office, and I'm like, that is dangerous. I will be there, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And Camilla can confirm, I did that one week. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I was at Chick-fil-A. It's okay, I've repented from my foolish spending and stuff like that, and I've gotten better with not going to Chick-fil-A every meal of the week, um, every meal of the day for a week. But they, when I remember when they released their spicy chicken sandwich, and I was like, that sounds good. It can't be that bad, right? But then the other part of my brain was like, Logan, you are a frail white boy from Illinois that cannot handle spicy. If you get this, you are going to hurt. And of course, I was like, nah, it'll be okay. So I remember getting the, the sandwich, right? I was so excited. I got back to my, my uh, cubicle in my office to eat my lunch. 
And I took a bite of it, and I was like, oh, this is pretty good. I like the spice. The spice is just really amping up. The spice, man, that's a lot of spice. Wow. And then pretty soon my head just burst into flames because it was just so hot. And that's when I learned not to get the number two combo, which, by the way, it is the number two combo in case you were curious. Um, I learned never to get that again. But that's the thing is that when it comes to the unknown, we like to play it safe so much we don't even want to try the other menu item out of fear of what may or may not happen. And when it comes to life or decisions or whatever it may be where God may be calling us, we're too afraid of what might happen because we don't know what's going to lie in that other town, school, whatever it is. Why, why take the chance, right? Or maybe we might start answering God in a certain way that's similar to Moses, Abraham, Jeremiah, Isaiah. You look at all the prophets in the Old Testament, they all say similar things when God calls them. They say something akin to, I'm either too young, or I don't know how to speak, or in Ananias' case, when God called him to go uh, talk to Saul and pray with him and, and disciple him, are you sure you got the right guy? See, that's the thing is that we encounter this fear because we worry about what might go wrong that we don't stop to ask what might go right. We don't stop to think, how can God use me in this time? What might God do if I go to the new town or I go to the new school or I go to the new job? And see, the thing is that we as Christians, we are given this thing called the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit, before, you know what, before I go any further, I, wanna, I want to share with you something that's mind-blowing about this Holy Spirit that we are given, okay? So we're going to jump to Romans 8.11. You can follow along in your Bibles. It'll be on the screen as well. Um, but I'm just going to read it real quick. But Romans 8.11 is going to give us a really good piece of information, of truth about this Holy Spirit that we are given as Christians. So Romans 8.11 says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through His Spirit who lives in you. Now, yes, while this does revive us, this does bring us out of our spiritually dead state and into life, this gives us encouragement because that same Holy Spirit that God used to raise Jesus from the dead is now inside of us. Now, I'm not saying that makes us Superman or superheroes or anything like that, but it certainly does give us the power to overcome these unknowns that God is going to call us into. So the one place that we encounter fear is in the unknown. And I brought up the prophets of the Old Testament before about how they were nervous, right? They would be like, God, I'm too young. I don't know how to speak, whatever it may be. What did God say to them after he gave? Or what did God say to them after they gave those excuses? Fear not, for I am with you. So the first place that we encounter fear is when we go into the unknown. And the first way that we counter that fear is through God's Spirit, because it's given us the power to overcome the unknown. It's given us the power to overcome whatever life may throw at us. So the first place that we encounter fear is in the unknown, but the, but the first way we counter that fear is through God's Spirit. Now let's say we go out into the unknown. Let's say we go, and we're, we go where God calls us, and we start making some friendships, we start meeting new people, 
And then it eventually happens, they hurt us. Which leads us into the second place that we encounter fear, which is in our hurt. Second place that we encounter fear is in our hurt. Now recently I was watching uh, this classic movie uh, with my wife that I honestly love, and, and I hope you guys kind of can share that love with me, but we watched this movie recently called The Princess Bride. Um, it's based off of a book. You guys have probably heard so many quotes from it. Um, like, probably the most popular one is when the Pope gets up to do the marriage scene, and he's like, love, true love. If you haven't seen it, go on Netflix this afternoon and watch it. It's a good time, I promise you. But the movie is basically about this little boy who's sick, and his grandpa comes in and reads him this book called The Princess Bride that's kind of like a tongue-in-cheek comedy that pokes fun at the fantasy, true love genre story stuff. It's a good time, like I said, you should go watch it. But there's this one scene in particular where the princess in the red dress there, her name is Princess Buttercup. You're sure to love a movie with the princess named Buttercup. Come on. And, uh, and she's talking to the guy that she's holding on to there in the black outfit, the Dread, Pri- Dread Pirate Roberts. Try and say that five times fast. And they're talking about just kind of how she's to be wed to the king, but she doesn't really want to because she used to work on this farm with this farmhand and she loves him. And so he kind of starts digging at her a little bit. He's like, well, how long did you actually wait before before marrying him? How long did you wait for your farmhand? Did you actually even wait at all? She's kind of being real mean and nasty about it. And she gets real, you can see that she gets visibly angry and she yells at him and says, you mock my pain. And he, gets, he just gets straight-faced, just completely without expression. And he tells her, life is pain, princess. Anyone that tells you different is selling something. And I stopped for a second, and I was like, y'all can't be making fun and doing comedy stuff and then trying to preach at the same time. It just, it's jarring. But that's the thing is that oftentimes we try to avoid pain, and we think that we can go through life without, we think that we can go through life avoiding that, but we can't. Pain is part of life. The question is, what are we going to do with it when we encounter it? But what, what we often tend to do is, is that when we're hurt by those we care about, friends, family, whoever it may be, we start building a wall. We think, I'm not going to let them hurt me again. Or they're not going to treat me that way again. Or you know what, I'm not, no, what they did was not okay. I'm going to put a wall up and they can't do it again. The problem is when we put ourselves behind walls We actually put ourselves in cages, and we wind up hurting ourselves. And I actually went through this recently with a friend where we were hanging out with some friends, and we kind of started poking fun at him a little bit, doing things that were kind of agitating him. We didn't know that it was frustrating him. And then it just got to a point where I jumped in and was like, ha, 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 and then I was the straw that broke the camel's back, and he just let out all of his anger at me. And I'm like, dude, that was what? I was like, why? Like, I was really hurt. And I struggled with what to do with that. You know, I was like, man, I, I didn't know I was, I was hurting you. You know, I told him, you know, I, I'm sorry. And then he just kind of kept going, started getting more malicious with it. And then afterwards, I called him out. I was like, dude, that was just uncalled for. You know how you get the kind of, like, arrogant response back when you tell people that? They're like, yeah, I know, but... I'm like, dude, come on, really? But I was thinking about, like, like, how do I forgive this guy? That was pretty harsh, right? 
And then I started studying this verse for, for today. So that was, God has a sense of humor, y'all, I'm telling you. But I was sitting there thinking about it, right? I was sitting there thinking about, because uh, really when I went into Romans, I started reading some other passages about like what our sin did to God, what we do to God pretty much every single day with our sin and how we disobey him from time to time. It's not that we, we want to disobey him. It, it tends to happen more often than not. But then there's the times where we choose to do it too, and yet despite that, God still loves us, which is incredible. Or at least it was for me in that time because I was like, I don't know how I can love this, the, my friend here after he just did that. But then I was like, maybe he's thinking the same thing. But we're both Christians, and we have a God that loves us even though we've, we've backstabbed God maybe a couple times or we've disobeyed him a couple of times. And it's only through his spirit that we can counter the fear of our hurt by countering that with God's spirit to love others. Just think about it. We, God doesn't have to forgive us, but he does. And it's because he loves us. And that's an incredible amount of love. And we have that same spirit that loves inside of us and so even in our hurt, we can love others through God's Spirit. Now, I want to take a quick, put a quick footnote on this one and say, it's not, I'm not saying that to minimize pain. Forgiveness can take a while, but we shouldn't put it off. We should actively seek it out and try to reconcile those relationships with the people that we've hurt or maybe have hurt us and, and try our best to share that love with others. It ain't easy. But we've already learned that through God's spirit, we have the power to overcome the unknown, and we certainly have the power to love others, even in our hurt. So the second place that we encounter fear is in, yeah, is in our hurt. The second, and the way that we counter that fear is through God's spirit to love others. Now the third place, and it's definitely not the last place that we encounter fear. We encounter fear in a lot of ways, but this last place that we're going to go is when we've gone into the unknown, we've experienced hurt, and now we're not so sure that we did the right thing. So the third place that we encounter fear is in our doubt. The third place that we encounter fear is in our doubt. And this is really where we see our, we take our fears, we see them confirmed in some way, and we want to quit. We want to give up. We're not so sure that we can do this anymore. We're not so sure that we can do this. And so we give into our emotions. We give into maybe irrational thinking. And what's really dangerous about this particular space here is that it's not just us that we're wrestling with at that point. We begin wrestling with temptation. Because this is where Satan sees that we're weak, we're struggling, and then just launches all of the missiles at us. And what's really easy to do when we're in this stage here facing our doubt is that it's really easy to focus on the negative. Well, this person said this. My job went this way. Whatever it may be, maybe I'm not the right person for this. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe I should just go back home and just not bother anybody. 
But that's the first problem right there is that we're so focused on ourselves at the point, we're so focused on the negative that we don't even look up to the positive. Right? I can sit at home and focus on the fact that my YouTube video is buffering, spinning, and be like, my world's ending. My Wi-Fi is going out. How will I connect with people? It's a little exaggeration. Camilla's shaking her head. No, it isn't. (laughs) But that's kind of what it's like. We focus so much on some of the small things that we don't even look up and see kind of what God is doing in the midst of this. I could have very easily, when I moved here to Texas 10 years, has it been 10 years? Wow. Um, Very easily when I moved to Texas 10 years ago, I could have focused on how I don't know anybody. I'm in a bad part of Fort Worth. I don't have any money, I don't have a job, I don't know anyone. I could have easily focused on that and just left. And to be fair, to be just completely transparent, I did for about like a day. But then some of my other youth leaders that were already at seminary, they came over and they were like, dude, you need to chill out. Like it's not that bad here. Just don't go to this one fast food place after 9 p.m. You might get stabbed. Um, I'm pretty sure they were exaggerating, or at least I hope they were. But the thing is, is that we all struggle with doubt to some degree. We all wrestle with it. But we have to look up to the positives. And one of the ways that we can do this is actually right out of Joshua 4, 19 through 24. We won't read the whole thing. I'll just kind of sum it up with what it is. Um, but this is where the uh, people of Israel, God had just led them across the Jordan River, and he's telling them, hey, while you guys are camped out here, I want you to take 12 stones and build a monument, not to worship, not to idolize, but as your generations come and go, as they grow up, they're going to ask, what are those stones for? And it's an opportunity for you to tell them about what just happened here. And so for some of us, what we need to do is start journaling. And I know journaling doesn't sound, at least for us guys, it doesn't sound like a thing that we should do. It just sounds kind of, well, girly to be honest. So maybe we just take post-it notes, make notes on our phone. Whatever way you can keep track of the ways that God has come through for you, God has led you across your Jordan River, whatever that may be, you can remember and you can look back in those times where you're facing doubt and go, no, God, God took care of me here. He provided for me here. And I'm over here, and this doesn't make sense for him to just give up all of a sudden because we know from Scripture that it says in Philippians, that he who began a good work in you will carry it through to the day of completion. Have you met, are you meeting Jesus face-to-face right now? No, you're at Chick-fil-A. So it's not the day of completion. God's not done. you still got a ways to go. God's going to carry you through it. And we also know from Ephesians 2 that says that we are his workmanship. Some translations say masterpiece. We are his workmanship creating Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has a whole plan. And we can take confidence in reading Scripture and keeping that in mind so that we can lean on God's Spirit that will give us the power to not only love others in our hurt, but to also have self-control even in our doubt. And we can kind of level out a little bit and be a cool glass of water. But then doubt kind of creeps up again here in this, in this spot. Maybe we sin and we take it a little too hard. We were doing so good, right? 
We're doing so good about whatever, whatever the sin that we were avoiding, whatever that may be, we're doing so good avoiding it, and then one moment of weakness happens and our streak ends. Now we feel defeated. Now we're doubting whether or not we're actually a Christian, whether or not God actually loves us, whether or not we can even do this Christian thing. And this is where one of my favorite verses of all time comes into play, 1 John 2, 1, that says, Dear children, I write these things to you so that you do not sin, but if you do, remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. And why do we remember Jesus? A few different reasons. He leads us into the unknown. He's right there with us. He loved us first, and we have a model of love to live out towards others. And he has a way of giving us self-control, of giving us assurance that we are saved, we are going to stumble, but he's given a lot of grace in that area. Jesus already took our punishment to the cross. We don't need to punish ourselves anymore. And that's the beauty of the gospel right there, is that Jesus Christ came, lived the perfect life, lived the life that we should all model, but, you know, we will fail at some parts, but praise be to God that he did die on that cross and then rose again three days later for God's glory, but for also our redemption and our forgiveness. And it's that same spirit that God used to raise Jesus from the dead that lives in us and gives us the power to overcome fear, to love others despite our hurt, and to have self-control when doubt is trying to take us down. And so I don't know how this really looks in your life situation specifically, but I pray that you would take some time this week and get into 2 Timothy 1.7 and remind yourself of the spirit that is in you, but also remind yourself of the gospel. Thank you for listening to this sermon. If you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching FBC Farwell. It is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with Christ. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed week.